out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. Welcome to day 54 of the 100 Days of Colin. 100 Days of Colin, and we are at day 54. It also just so happens that there are exactly 54 days left in the election cycle that we can know of. In the midterm election cycle, which is, woo, it's like neck and neck. <clears throat> so what are we talking about during these heated last days of this election cycle? Where we are discussing the deconstruction of a character assassination. Part two. So character assassins are out there. It's part of the, the toolkit and the unavoidable dialectic. We're going to talk about some ad hominem attacks, okay? I think... People get lost, or like, because it's an actual label for unqualified attacks on a person's character, um, based on more or less an intellectually dishonest slant. So we're we're going to deconstruct this and hopefully show you what the argument is for the fair use of said ad hominem, and then the other, which is like, please let's not do this. Let's stick to you know examining a policy and a position based on its merits rather than its you know attacking the person, which is intellectually dishonest. Okay, and there's just a lot of it. There's just a lot of it. If you don't take the position I want, you are a bad guy. You're a bad bad person. You're a big old baddie, and that is exactly what an ad hominem attack is. So it's a it's a verbal attack. It's a character attack an attack on your character so who who does this or why is it happening and so we get to the psychology of the ad ad hominem attack okay so when we think about the people who feel the need to attack um you're going to find that maybe that they are angry they have a lot of loaded opinions about a certain position they feel the need to use a lot of force and so they will be deliberately deceptive to to, to color or uh, shade the opinion that they are putting out there and because they're trying to grab your approval or validation get you to identify with them okay <clears throat> now these are half truths they're trying to get you to identify or to embrace something that is intellectually dishonest or untrue it's either half true or it's a lie or it's just a deliberate frontal attack period okay and when they do this, they're not really in control, okay? They're, they're actually in the outlands morally. Um, you know, they're operating in a place of, of sheer emotion. And it's like, it's, it's a very childish thing. Um, and, and they're trying to shift the blame or shift their, their inadequately supplied position. Like, they don't feel like your position is strong enough, so they're just going to take a character attack. You know, they feel really threatened. Um, so how do you handle this like on a person-to-person basis like if somebody did this to you say at work or on the schoolyard um, you know you could just ignore it you don't you don't give it any more fuel and say you know well you're just a bad person you're just you know you're just you're just crappy you know because you don't do this or you don't like this and it's like well you know you can you can just not give it any fuel and just like just walk away uh, because they're not supplying any real reasons why you were bad or whatever um <clears throat> so that that is what they say is the intellectual dishonesty and that's what it is fundamentally it is bad behavior so just understand where it comes from pointing blame criticizing attacking all of these things it's to dislodge their own bad sentiments onto their opponent the the person who has the objectionable view, okay? Something that is that is stimulating their shame or their their um, insecurity. So that's just where it's coming from. So it's 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 a pathological position. It's not not a clean intellectual position where you can debate this person based on you know what they think or see. So I'm going to invite the people. I'm going to post an update. Uh, and it's deconstructing now. Okay, ad hominem 
is something that'll put you in defamation court. So that's one of the things I wanted to do today is go to the defamation news of the day. And there is quite a bit of it, actually. So, <clears throat> so I just want to spend a few more minutes on the aspect of intellectual dishonesty and what that is. So intellectual dishonesty is the advocacy of a position known to be false. That's what it is. An argument which is misused in advance of an agenda to reinforce one's deeply held beliefs in the face of an, a seemingly overwhelming evidence of the contrary. If you feel like you're gonna you're gonna lose this fight, uh, you will you will use an ad hominem. You know you're you're losing anyone who uses ad hominem is losing intellectually on the terms of the merit of the argument. You need to know that. So if they cannot come back with a real position and and vanguard that position they are losing the argument intellectually so all they have left is is cheap shot attacks so um, so there is the argument to uh, how to properly apply them because they're not going away and there's fair use and and people who want to use uh, intellectual dishonesty in debates they, they believe that it's it's a good tool in the toolkit and then there's the um, the contrapositive which is the problem with arguing ad hominem so I will go over both but first I shall get to this this uh, large cache of news we're gonna cover Alex Jones <clears throat> okay and what's going on with his Sandy Hook defamation trial he's got another one on the docket coming up soon the Ohio Bakery celebrated a defamation win over Ober Oberlin College. Uh, they vowed to rebuild what false accusations of racism destroyed. So Oberlin College agreed to pay the bakery that they defamed $36.59 million. So defamation and intellectual d dishonesty is expensive, especially if you were a news organization or a so-called news organization. Um, even speculating... But if you don't say this is my opinion, and you you traffic things that are actually false, then that is libel. You can get whacked pretty bad. Thirty six point five nine million. I don't have it, so it doesn't. Lies don't pay. So that's the end of that defamation suit. Period. Almost six years ago, a family-run bakery in Ohio that had been in operation for more than a century embarked on a David v. Goliath battle against Oberlin College to defend its name against false accusations of racism over stopping a shoplifter. Last month, Gibson's Bakery was able to close the book on the legal battle after a school agreed to finally pay $36.59 million in damages after the Ohio Supreme Court declined to take up an appeal on the judgment. Lorna Gibson, the owner of the bakery, spoke to Fox News Digital and described being resolute in her mission of restoring the family business to its former glory after it was gutted by the false accusations. So, it was it was impacted financially uh, with reputation and probably some psychological harm. It says, I have a lot of work ahead of me. I can actually get some stock back in my store and hire some employees, Lorna Gibson said in a phone interview Monday, noting that she can now afford to repair compressors and freezers that conked out over the last few years. So I'm going to bring it back and get it going strong. That's my plan because she's going to she's going to rake Oberlin for 36 million. Well, good for you, girl. They took out their lies and you beat them back. Mm. So there was a judge, you know, on the other, you know, it's not always heroes and villains so so transparently. So there was a judge who dismissed a defamation suit against uh, the New York Times Taylor Lorenz and her twisty mustache. Okay, so this was a $6.2 million libel lawsuit against the New York Times and reporter Taylor Lorenz. Uh, it was quietly dismissed last week when a judge found that many of the defamation claims to be substantially true while others were loose, figurative, and hyperbolic language, which cannot give rise to a defamation claim. Hmm. So Lorenz, who now covers technology for the Washington Post, was employed by the Times when she accused Arianda Jacob, if I got that, Ariadna Jacob, 
a former agent who represented TikTok stars and other online influencers of making numerous false and disparaging statements of fact. Hmm. In an August 2020 article headlined, Trying to Make It Big Online, Getting Signed Isn't Everything. So, <clears throat> that's somebody who takes a lot of license to take down people and take down their character. She's, she's a hunter. So I guess she studies her game well because she wants she wants to continue doing what she's doing. And but but she got a, a libel lawsuit dismissed and and she found a judge that favored her appeal. So New York judge. Sometimes they like character attacks and on the money. So she's gonna get out there and hunt another day. So, now here's your other villain slash hero, uh, Alex Jones, whatever you think of him, he's on trial right now. Attorney battles in Alex Jones' Sandy Hook trial are an early sign of courtroom confrontations to come. Okay, so Waterbury, attorney clashes during the first day of the Alex Jones' Sandy Hook trial to determine defamation damages... Jones must pay an FBI agent and eight families who lost loved ones in the school shooting indicated how far both sides will go to win the jury's confidence. More than that, the frequent opening day battles between Jones' high-profile New Haven attorney, Norm Pattis, and lawyers for the families had to be referenced by an increasingly upset state Superior Court Judge Barbara Bellis foreshadowed confrontations to come in a trial expected to last five weeks. Each of these parents and family members here transformed their grief and rage over the death of a loved one into promoting school safety and an end to gun violence, Pettis told the jury of six impact courtroom gallery during opening statements Tuesday. Do they overstate the harm Alex caused them because they want to silence him because they disagree with his political views? I would say yes. So that's the judge. After the family's lead attorney, Chris Matee, um, objected to the judge that Pattis's argument was beyond the agreed-upon scope of helping a jury deciding what damages Jones should pay families, he defamed Pattis. He defamed, sorry. Pattis responded to the judge, We believe the damage claims were exaggerated and they have transformed their grief into political weapons. Hmm. Objection. Matei protested, prompting the judge to order Pattis to discontinue his line of argument and move on with his opening statement. Once Pattis finished his opening statement, the judge dismissed the jury to discuss again with the attorneys the limited parameters of the trial. Sorry, I thought that Pattis was the judge. It's Bellis. Sorry, Bellis is the judge. Okay. In short, that Jones that could not argue his innocence because he had already been found liable of for defamation, intentional infliction of emotional distress, breach of privacy, and violation of Connecticut's Unfair Trade Practices Act. So, Jones was found liable after the judge defaulted Jones for abuse of the pretrial process in 2021. Okay. So, Jones is on trial for a second time in as many months where it's up to a jury to award defamation damages after Jones called the 2012 massacre of 21st graders and six educators staged, synthetic, manufactured, a giant hoax, and completely fake with actors. In the beginning of August, Texas jury awarded $49 million in defamation uh, damages to the parents of a slain Sandy Hook boy who Jones defamed. A third trial was to award defamation damages to the parents of another slain Sandy Hook boy planned in Texas for the first two weeks of December. If the last month's trial is an indication of what Connecticut should watch over for the next five weeks in Waterbury, it is to expect the unexpected. The Texas case was notable for its surprise and dramatic encounters as it was for the verdict. Perhaps the biggest surprise moment was when a lawyer for the parents revealed in open court that Jones' attorneys had mistakenly set the other side years of Jones' cell phone records. Oops. Jones is expected to testify in Waterbury next week. Clashes between Mattis, or sorry, Pattis and Matee over the boundaries of the trial reached a peak Tuesday afternoon as Pattis was cross-examining William 
Aldenberg, an FBI agent who responded to the school shooting scene. Aldenberg is one of the 15 people whom Jones defamed in the Connecticut lawsuit. Which is pretty pricey. That one's over $40 million in tow. So, ooh, lots of expensive lawsuits. So he's got a book out, this Alex Jones. Lots of expensive... Uh, he's got he's got a lot of things going on. So, whew. so a lot of people are going to run out to buy the book because they they want to support free speech and his brand of speculation journalism. But they also um, they also know that something something went amiss here. So I'll just read the first several paragraphs of this Reuters. U.S. conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, this is Reuters, faced his trial this week in Connecticut to determine how much he must pay a group of families of victims in the 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary mass shooting that left 26 dead, including 20 children, for falsely claiming it was a hoax. A jury in Texas, where Jones' radio show and webcast is based last month, held that he must pay two parents of a child killed in Newtown $49.3 million. Now, here's a breakdown down of the lawsuits against Jones. And so the outcome for the Texas case is that the verdict could be slashed significantly because Texas law caps non-economic punitive damages for defamation at $750,000 per count. The parents' lawyers contend the cap does not apply, and they are seeking the full amount. What does this mean for InfoWars? Who knows? Um, Sandy Hook parents in Connecticut case have asked a judge overseeing the free speech system's bankruptcy to remove the company's existing management from the process and appoint a committee oh, to represent them in the proceedings, claiming that Jones Company cannot be trusted to deal in good faith. The parents say in a July filing in Texas Bankruptcy Court that the InfoWars parent company had transferred transferred millions of dollars to Jones and entities he controls since filing for bankruptcy in a bid to shield its assets. Jones said in an August broadcast that the bankruptcy will help him keep InfoWars on the air and avoid paying any judgments for years as he appeals. Jones also has told listeners that InfoWars is fighting for its life and urged him to purchase its supplements and forthcoming book to buoy its finances through the litigation. Uh, an attorney representing free speech systems in the bankruptcy case said during the recent hearing that sales and pre-orders have soared through the Texas trial. So <clears throat> that that's where that's at for now. So it has actually been a pretty heavy week for defamation. Let me go back. All right. Let's see here, we got Joe and Joshua. Okay, so we're going to go back to the argument of ad hominem attacks. Okay, the problem with arguing ad hominem versus fair use character attacks. <clears throat> so, according to Scientific American, there's character attacks how to properly apply the ad hominem. A new theory praises fair from unfair uses of personal criticism in rhetoric. A doctor tells her patient to lose weight and the patient thinks if my doctor really believed that she wouldn't be so fat. A movie aficionado plans pans the latest Tom Cruise flicks because Cruise is a Scientologist. A homeowner ignores a neighbor's advice on lawn care because the neighbor is a you name it, Democrat, Republican, Christian, atheist. These examples illustrate classic uses of ad hominem attacks in which an argument is rejected or advanced based on a personal characteristic of an individual rather than on reasons for or against the claim itself. Putting the focus on the arguer or person being discussed can detract from the issues that matter. Okay, rather than concentrating on an individual's character, we should, in these cases, be asking ourselves questions such as, is the doctor's advice medically sound? Is the cruise film entertaining? Is the neighbor's lawn really healthy? Meanwhile, ad hominem attacks can also unfairly discredit unfairly discredit an individual, especially because such critiques 
are often effective. Although ad hominem arguments have long been considered errors in reasoning, a uh, recent analysis suggests that this is not always the case. In his new book, Media Argumentation, Dialectic, Persuasion, and Rhetoric, University of Winnipeg philosopher Douglas Walton, taking a drink here, proposes that fallacies such as the ad hominem are better understood as perversions or corruptions of perfectly good arguments. That's a perfectly good argument. Don't you throw that out on an ad hominem? So regarding the ad hominem, Walton contends that although such attacks are usually fallacious, they can be legitimate when a character critique is directly or indirectly related to the point being articulated. If Walton is right, distinguishing clearly between these cases is important to evaluating the validity of statements people make about to us about others. Good or fair use of ad hominem critiques should in fact persuade us, whereas unwarranted uses should not. Corruptions. Which ad hominem arguments should we aim to ignore? So in the so-called abusive ad hominem, someone argues that because a person has a bad character, we should not accept that person's claims. Uh, for instance, I had saw just a, a, a perfect example of a character attack on, uh, on the Tucker Carlson show last night, uh, this girl had a live objection to the um, use of the law to to protect uh, or enforce a woman to carry a rapist's baby. And the person on the stage had the burden of arguing in favor of this, and the woman from the audience was saying, these rights have been detracted. Uh, it is It is not a good thing for a woman to to be forced to to bear the child of her rapist and so there there was clearly something there but the way Tucker framed it was that clearly the woman was damaged so you should not listen to a word she says and I thought that is not the argument you know whether uh, and there's no proof that the woman was damaged there wasn't there wasn't you know, any proof that, you know, it's like, does he have the file on this woman? No. She was a woman in the audience who, who got voicey about the fact that a woman should not be compelled to to, to bear the the child of her rapist. And, and I thought, you know, that's, that's actually a really good argument. I, I don't think a woman should be forced to do that. I think that would be a, an extra painful thing to do. But he didn't, he didn't go there. He just attacked her and said that she was damaged. Now, the point of calling a woman damaged by, by an apparent man of means is to score them and throw them out, to literally write them off and throw them out. I'm like, this is ad hominem, period. So that was, that was crap, and it should have been flagged, and that was a perfect example of the use of an, ad, an unqualified ad hominem attack. Okay. In it, but there are others. There are others. I'll, I'll get to another one here later. Okay, so um, so ad hominem arguments. Uh, another illegitimate form of the ad hominem is the to quoque, you too version, which is also, uh, I think it's a version of the uh, whataboutism. Now, what I understand about whataboutism is that if I do this, when you do it, it's equalized. No. No, it's not. When you do a bad thing, and I also do a bad thing, two people are doing bad things. That's what's going on. So, also intellectually dishonest. Somewhat aboutism is intellectually dishonest. So, so this is an attempt to discredit a person's claims because the person has failed to follow his or her own advice. The example of the overweight doctor prescribing weight loss falls into this category. So its use is unfair because, after all, the good reasons for losing weight and the fact that a doctor has not managed to heed her own advice should not dissuade others from actually trying to follow qualified advice. Is the advice itself good? Does the advice itself have perfect merit? If the answer is yes, then you should do it. 
The cruise attack, on the other hand, exemplifies poisoning the well, which is another brand of ad hominem attack in which the character assault is launched before the listener has a chance to form his or her own opinion on the subject. In this case, Cruz's film. If successful, the reminder that Cruz is affiliated with Scientology will bias the listener against the movie. This partiality is unjustified because Cruz's religious affiliation is not germane, has nothing to do with his acting abilities or the entertainment value of the film. So, what is fair use? So, what types of ad hominems might be justified? Those are unjustified. That's like, those are the ones you're going to get flagged or called down for. So, ad hominems might be justified. Walton argues that an ad hominem is valid when the claims made about a person's character or actions are relevant to the conclusions being drawn. Consider, for example, former New York Governor Elliot Spitzer, who was caught on a wiretap arranging to hire a prostitute for $4,300. Because his behavior ran counter to Spitzer's anti-corruption platform, it is unveiling, its unveiling would prevent Spitzer from governing successfully. Thus, criticizing this aspect of his character was relevant and fair. He can't have oversight of a, of a government process if he's being corrupt himself. So, <clears throat> in an earlier scandal in 1987, televangelist Jimmy Swaggart was seen at a motel with a prostitute. And because his behavior undercut his preaching and his status as a Christian role model, character attacks based on this incident would have been spot on. In another case, when Bill Clinton fibbed on national television about his affair with White House intern Monica Lewinsky, accusations that he was a liar were not entirely unjust. Okay, although a supporter might argue that Clinton's sex life was not directly relevant to his ability to govern, his ability to adhere to the truth certainly would be. And his willingness to lie on the occasion could call into question the veracity of his remarks on other subjects. So, being aware of how the ad hominem attack works can help us evaluate which instances of it we would use, ignore, or consider. Ask yourself, how relevant is a political candidate's character or action to his, his or her ability to perform in office? How pertinent is a person's past or group affiliation to the claims that the person makes or the individual's expertise in a specific domain. If the character-based attacks are not relevant to these larger issues, then they are best ignored. Instead, we should attend to what is really important. What is the person asserting? What does he or she offer a particular view? And is that view defensible? Okay, so that's the fair use argument. Okay, over here, we have the problem with arguing ad hominem, the fundament. So debates are not won by insult or obfuscation and name calling. It's not an argument. In logic, these are known as arguments ad hominem or poisoning the well. And many of you reading this, I'm sure will recognize what I'm talking about as the Chewbacca defense. An ad hominem argument is a fallacy where a debater uses a real or perceived characteristic of their opponent to attack their points. A person is perfectly entitled to believe that Sarah Palin is stupid, but to say that Sarah Palin is stupid, therefore her position on taxes is wrong, is fallacious because it is a personal attack on her rather than addressing her position. The poisoning of the well is an attack where the debater belittles the opponent in a way that makes the argument unfair possibly by implying an ulterior motive for their position. I see this a lot among people who don't believe in climate change. They say that the scientists shouldn't be trusted because they get publication or grant money and fame from supporting climate change. They are, therefore, they're not actually interested in the truth, only the perks, which isn't to say that the perks are, aren't valid concerns. They just have nothing to do with whether the science is right or wrong. Economics is positively rife with the poisoning of the well arguments, Marxists have been known to claim that capitalist economists are in bed with bankers. Libertarians distrust economists employed by the government on first principles, and Keynesians, or at least Paul Krugman, have ranted about how libertarians can't be trusted because they hold favorable, favorable opinions of secession and therefore are neo-confederates who want to re-enslave black people. 
So I was pretty dismayed by some of the responses I got in a column I wrote at the end of January. To, to tase or not to tase? Tase your face. Steve Tuttle of the vice president of communication of, of the company that makes tasers, or someone posting as him, wrote, Dear editor, I must admit, I am stunned how this story made it past any editing cycle. What I question is how Mr. Robarsi's story was not fact-checked and how his over-the-top statements were approved. An editor could have addressed most of this garbage. I don't truly know the full day it would take to provide a litany of data back to con- contradict Mr. Robari's rush- rubbish. It appears that the editor didn't even do cursory fact-checking, and I have to admit journalism isn't what it used to be, but now it's more like, welcome to the land of pump out the trash and don't let any facts or science get in the way. So Mr. Vice President of, of Communications, Steve Tuttle, you insulted me in a public forum, which could be could be defaming. Uh, question my integrity, which is the main value a journalist has, insultingly patronized me and outright refused to counter my points with any facts whatsoever. So way to go, sir, way to go. The one thing you could have done to mitigate what in some European countries could be considered libel, you didn't do. That says to me, you can't refute my points, although I recognize the argumentation does not work that way. I also got an email from Greg Meyer, retired Los Angeles Police Department captain. He also refused to try and refute my points, but at least sent an interesting article on the issue of excited delirium, a medical condition frequently listed as the cause of death for people who have been tasered by the police. It has happened so often that some civil rights activists wonder if it actually exists or if coroners concocted it to cover up for the police. Now, the article was about the pathology of the condition, and so it only tangentially addressed the concerns. Okay, but that can be seen on any news website. It's more disturbing when those techniques are used on the floor of Congress. Okay, there might be a relationship between members of Congress and certain big banks, and those congresspersons might vote for legislation that somehow favors the banks, but the mere existence of the relationship does not speak to the questions of whether or not that legislation is good. So the, if the definition or the definitive policy of 20th century America was believe in yourself, then we are reaping what our parents sowed all those years ago. Many people have come to believe only in themselves. They have put themselves at the center of the universe and discovered that reality is now infinitely far away. And I would I wouldn't have a problem with that, but my generation stuck with the check. And this is Mr. Matthew Robar. He's a collegian columnist, and he was attacked. And this was his his counter, his contrapositive to to the bad ad hominem. He was he's defending himself. So, so yes, we've covered that that intellectual dishonesty manifests as ad hominem attacks, and um, so. What does it look like when when our publicans, when our elected leaders take these positions? Well, it looks like some sometimes it looks like gaslighting. It looks like um, Biden saying, "Well, you know, people are are not just walking over the border, you know, and how dare you say that? You're you're a MAGA Republican who should be shoved in a closet with a stuff so- a, a sock stuffed in your mouth, you know? How dare you say that? I'm like, why? Well, pictures right here get out of here you you liar you you scallywag get out of here for showing me those pictures that's not real la, 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 la. so I mean I that's a really good example of, of ga- not just gaslighting but basically saying we're gonna attack anybody who 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 tampers with our version of reality so I think that it's time for some phone calls let's see who's with us okay we have Joshua, Joe, Jonathan, Nate, and Shardall. Would anybody like to come up and talk about... I know I went long today. Sorry. 34 minutes um, on the exposition of the fair use versus, um, you know, poisoned well at a hominem attack. I'm really kind of sick of it. Go ahead, Joshua. 
we've got 55 days left in this election cycle, and it's going to be ad hominem, like, centrifuge. You may open your mic. How's your mic working? Let me see. We're going to bring Joshua up to the speaker column so we can get it together. The ad hominem attack. Oh, you finally got it going. I have it together. Blah, 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 blah. How you doing? Uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? Um, I'm I'm on the vanguard. I'm like I am against lies today. It's like it's like getting a ball bat and or a tennis racket on these big lies that are just keep flying out. Like that's bad. That's bad. Like why am I doing? I'm like vigilante referee but of like people bad in positions logic. of authority and leadership. Mm-hmm. They're using mis- mis- they're intellectually dishonest leaders. Um, but I love that Calden is like the home of ad hominem attacks. So I, well, everybody's intellectually disingenuous and kind of a douchebag. Um, I'm I'm asking for a friend because. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna try to be an outlier, Josh. I'm gonna try to be an outlier. You are doing a very good job. I want to just try harder. That. I really. Well, no, like a vote harder. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I encourage everyone who who is sick of this like bad logic to, to invite other people to expose themselves. The yesterday. Well, I, I, that came out wrong. I expose. Their intellectual part to the show, you know. Co- well, you're going to get more hecklers that are going to expose themselves if you get too popular. That's the good sign. <laughs> Your shows are getting heckled by people that uh, essentially just prank callers. It's like UKRP Cincinnati, uh, except uh, so uh, you you remember that show? Like I'm dating myself, like literally. Too, Boy, that um, was a really long. I think I was four the last time I saw it. <laughs> Anywhere on <laughs> broadcasting on any channel. <laughs> so forgive me. I think we should bring it back. It was so politically correct. <laughs> so, um, Ellen, thank you for uh, taking on uh, Tucker Carlson uh, for uh, and seeing through kind of. Because I just want to let you know that it's he helped me. He never gets me. called out. I mean, he he does that shit all the time. He really does. Well, and nobody ever says you're. You know, this is this is ad hominem. You crapped on the floor here. Deal with this. Rub his nose in it. Don't do that. Because he's got a good show, and I listened to well, it for, for let's, some let's of calm it. Down there. I mean, it. I well, I would. It's compelling programming. That's what makes it a good show. And um. But when he does that stuff, it really kind of takes things down. I guess he feels really insecure about his position with abortion. Otherwise, he would not have, you know, generated this this spurious attack on this this woman and unknown woman in an audience. He knows nothing about her. You know, per Walker photo, like that woman's against abortion. Know her her place. She 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 is not getting in the kitchen. I'm assuming that he's a chauvinist and a sexist, uh, based on everything I've seen about him. Mostly the both he's guys. a natalist um, weirdo. But, is what you know, he is. That may be an ad. <sighs> well, so I mean, I'm 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 putting it out there because he's like, you know, everyone must have babies now, and I'm thinking, I don't think that's a great idea. Why have is it always the people, the people like no one wants your baby? <laughs> I mean. That this is all about qualified. Like people need to be selective about whom they choose as breeding partners. That's the whole point. Because you can't just breed with anyone. That's the whole point of of the danger of womanhood. You can't just breed with anyone. You know, because when you share a duty of parenting, maybe somebody here in this room has been a parent. I think you've been a parent. I, I happen to know that Nate has has parented. A child? Is anybody else in here a parent? You know, I happen to know it's dangerous to to have responsibility for a small person 
and not take that 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 seriously. If you have somebody who who cannot perform, it's terrifying. I do not economy, recommend it if for the faint yeah. of heart. Yeah, I don't. I, you also, have but I just want to let you know that all of your bad, all of your bad arguments, I just check up to you being damaged. Um, so, uh, <laughs> did I, you say QB damaged? Well, well, can you be damaged? Yes. No, I said all your bad arguments. I just chalk up to you being damaged. So I. I oh, and that's my to, way to my, my person. Okay, well, I guess I'm. Yeah, you're just. I guess I'm yeah. just a damaged woman. I let you off the hook. <laughs> like, oh, right? Well, yeah, you're hysterical. Like this is now Freud's I'm show. I'm hysterical, um, damaged woman. Why? I'm like, gonna let somebody cause... else talk because I gotta get ready for work. Okay, well, so. you do that. No, you get. You I go, will. Joshua. Go get that ham and eggs. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna it pick was, on yeah, somebody. <laughs> Go get those ham and eggs. <laughs> Nate, gonna be rotten by I'm inviting you up anyway, to speak. Bye. I started picking up, picking on people now. I'm picking people out of the audience rather than waiting for them to volunteer, which is terrible. Hi, Charlie. Glad you stopped in. Um, hey, Nate. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Sheila? Okay. So do you have any, any thoughts on this, on the ad hominem? process uh, on the ad hominem process so this is this is uh, that's the poisoning of the well or dispatching a person based on you know like personal characteristics rather than the merit of the argument itself well if I if I wanted to I can be really good at it but I think then again so can anybody else if they just want to be mean um, but it doesn't help anything because really you're not taking down the person's argument. You're taking down them. And, but I, I feel like right now we have kind of an epidemic of a bad arguing. People, right, right. Exactly. So instead of going towards the principle of the argument, people feel they can do an end run and just call you a racist or, you know, throw a label at you. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I think people who go to law school, who learn how to, who learn logic, how to argue, which just for the record, I am not, but I think they are far better prepared to deal with this and know the problem with this. But unfortunately, once it starts going broadly to your everyday person, they think it's an acceptable form of communication. And then, you know, here we are. So it's, uh, I, I think while it's tempting, I think everybody has to be strong and be disciplined about not doing that to others. Uh, it doesn't accomplish anything. And it's, uh, it's really only perpetuating that problem. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want to take the person down or do you want a better world and a better, you know, I mean, really that's, that's what it comes down to because if you get personal, you're only shooting yourself in the foot later on because they're going to turn it right back around you at some point. So, yeah. Yeah, work uh, on your argument. You know, they're, they're really literally, like, for, for the, the example that was discussed earlier, you know, how, how many people really want to bear the child of, of, their, of their rapist or would compel a woman to do that and then argue that all life is valid? So, but you have to do that, and you have to do that on merit. You, have, you can't just do that, and you have to stand on your merits. But you can't just say, uh, you know, like, I object to this because I wouldn't do it myself because I feel like that that would be a violation of my personal liberty. And many people would agree with me, but there would be people who don't agree with me and say, you should. You should carry the child of your rapist because the child is innocent. So th those are the arguments. But to say... Uh, I am damaged or that woman is damaged because she she objects to my position is no that's ad hominem so we're going to take Shardall go ahead hello Shardall thank you for returning to the program so an example of an ad hominem would be like like me and my friend have an argument we don't like each other and then he ends up saying you're stupid Um, I don't care what you say um, we're never going to be friends. I think that's 
an ad hominem attack because he he's just target he's just attacking me and then he doesn't want to hear the good things I have to say. He's just going after me just because he hates me. Like that's not a reason. You have to hear that, you know, let's let's um you know, let's work together here. Let's find a, a certain point where we both agree. Let's not keep attacking each other for you know, just just because we don't, you know, like we don't share the same viewpoints doesn't mean that you have to go and attack me, you know. Right. I don't and like and that. another version of, of an ad hominem attack is a little bit more subtle than that. They will do things like Okay, if I if I call out a person based on like a bad act or or a terrible policy, like say they they have a leadership that is in favor of uh, a genocide, and you know it's plain it's been plain to to all present. It's in the news. Here's five news items. This is happening in your country. Your your leaders are responsible for that. You're part of the leadership communica- communications team. And- and and what that person responds in saying is, well, those accusations are baseless. They have no, they are not fact, and they just deny them patently. That's also a form of ad hominem because they're not, they're shading. They're, they're shading away from the matter at hand and attacking the person for, you know, like, why are you spreading these lies about me? That's another one. You know, you're you're spreading utter lies about me, but they're not and, explaining why the the evidence presented is untrue. So when I talked to my friend and he he ended up the, he does, uh, you know we're not we're not good friends anymore. And I and I try to tell him that you know you know I didn't all these things you're saying are false. You know I you're just putting words in my mouth. I never said them. Well, you like, have to also like, say why they are false. Because, because, like I, like he doesn't understand. Like, I'm not trying to be rude, but you know, sometimes he, like, whenever an ex- example of an ad hominem would be that he started it. You know, you didn't start attack. You didn't. You, I mean, he attacked you first. He said all those things that are false first. And then you came and retaliated because you heard that whatever things he was saying weren't true, and you 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 um you're retaliating because you're not going to let somebody say all these things to you. You know you got to. That's like the order of the argument, and if you look at the argument itself, like what is being said, what is the the claim? You know, you know, is he saying that you are a bad friend, that you stole five bucks? Like what was the 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 actual content or the matter of conflict. What's the um for you uh for uh, Nate? What's what's the scenario uh, of ad hominem? Like, have you can you re- relate a story that you had from your personal life that was an ad hominem? Was did anybody attack you for something that you said? Oh, I have one. Um, I was I was at a job interview, and someone. You know, just called me a reactionary out of sky balloon because I was I came to the table and wanted to fold fold shirts. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, where is this coming from? Why am I being attacked? Another one was I went to an event and I I paid to be there. I was being absolutely supportive, and because I, I don't really know why I, I they asked me which party I was affiliated with, and I said. Um, I'm a libertarian, and that, that was what they had. they solicited this information for me at the time, and then almost you know, like they turned on a dime and told me that I was a a tax thief, that I was a tax evaded tax evasionist person. I mean, I'm like, I, I mean, when- do they have any proof of this? Like, no, it was just a bald faced. I'm gonna stab you in the face because and then. The the thing that I don't understand about that situation that you um, occurred for you is that how do people know you're a tax evader? Like they do don't. People, do people have that? Is an ad hominem attack, Shardle? Like, that that's what that is. It's that's an ad hominem attack. They don't have any proof. They don't have any any like I, I don't evade my taxes. I, I most of it's automated. People just yank it out of my check. This is the first time I came on here because normally I go on on a tangent, but I'm happy that um, I can actually contribute to this discussion and not, you know, 
go off on a tangent. This is the first time that I've actually come on here and uh, I can actually um, give some good feedback on, on the topic. Well, that's great, Shardle. I'm glad you're having a, a, a good experience. I'm not, not able to contribute well and I go off on a tangent and I start talking about things that are not related at all to the, to the, to the topic. But I'm I'm happy that I can actually um you know uh, uh um you know not go off on, on, on a tangent and, and and try and stay on the on the topic here, which is what we're talking about about ad hominems. So I'm gonna go to the comments, and I'm really glad that you're having a good time on the program. So uh, Jonathan, who's flyover man. Uh, said ad hominem is a more popular than ever and I distrust the entire field of economics <laughs> but he's really good at it actually Jonathan is actually really nuanced he's like really studied on on the area he can kind of make these sharp turns on economic speech that I could never do um, and what and another thing for ad hominem would, it, would, it, would another scenario be like if somebody says like if what political party you vote for and people attack you just because you're voting for Democrat or you're voting for Republican, uh, would that or, be or third party? Because you know, like third, because third party people because people are attacking you just because you're voting for a certain political party, would that be um, an example of of, of ad hominem? That that's actually what we're really talking about. That's one of the reasons why I selected today's um, because it's just gotten so bad. You know, we look at our president. I have a picture of our president, you know, raising his fist in the air and saying, it's those people, those MAGA people, all of them. Like, well, how do you know, you know, what crime have they actually committed? They have committed no crime. And that's the whole point is that we're castigating, which is where we're shedding a false light on an entire group of people without knowing any unjust, any specific unjust deeds that they have so, done, either against the election system or the state, and the case that they are making is flawed to begin with. They have said because they have election um, questions, like they they question the outcome, they contest the outcome, and every election at the federal level or at the presidential is is contested to some level. So now, there's a heavily contested election. And then, a, you know, a barely like, meh, you know, and a landslide. The, that's the, the spectrum. The landslide so, is where there's no contest. You know, this this one, this person won hands down. There there really wasn't much of a margin. They won overwhelmingly. Okay. So, and and the other side is where the, the election candidate um, is heavily contested. Like the, the, the range of the election is very close. And they can't really decide, so they have to do recounts and and uh, ballot assessments. And then there's 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 contested elections. So that happens every single time, and in, in many elections and all over the United States. But it's never been a crime to say there's a contested election. That's why it's an but undemocratic I, I think the practice. Now the difference now is I, I can't remember a president associates the voters of another president or of another uh, president with another party because Trump did it and Hillary party. did it they both did it being uh, I, I guess being against the country did they both do it and this is yeah just both the of them said example. that the people who didn't vote for me are terrible people that's an okay, so, attack so that that is I think this is just the most recent one where the irony is that you know Joe Biden was supposed to come to office with bringing people together mm-hmm. and you know fast forward not a very long time and he's saying all those MAGA people you know and, and it really it puts the problem is that it, it puts everybody who doesn't agree with him into that barrel whether you are a Trump supporter or not if you disagree then you are part of the other and it, it, so it's being used as a cu- as a cudgel. It's being turned into an ad hominem attack in that way. Okay, so there are, no crime has been committed here. There's only the crime of being castigated by the rival or in power party. If you have power, you have a duty to protect the weaker effect. Meaning, you you have the power. You you must protect your losers. 
the people who 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 lost and and whom whom oppose you you have you have a duty as a public servant to uphold the constitution and and to serve everyone okay so, fairly according to, that's that's what's supposed to be done it's not always executed perfectly and i'm sure that it's not going on perfectly right now i'm sure of it but for for right now you should not be prosecuting or persecuting the losing teams okay because it's not just two parties there are many parties in the united states and um they are not just republican and democrat ignoring the other parties and saying they don't exist is undemocratic um but refusing to allow them ballot access, that is undemocratic. Saying they have no arguments and they don't have – those things are done un, undemocratic. And those are the kinds of things that are, have been going on. So like, so, so when, you look, when you look at a presidential candidate, he, he has power to lead the country in an in a, in a, in a impactful way. But he can't use that power to take advantage of other people. You know, That's what, that's what Trump doing is doing. That, yeah. like, Trump is supposed to use it. He used, He was supposed to use his power to lead the country in a, in a, in a good way. You know, make impact a lot of lot of lives of people. And but he's not president he's anymore, Shardall. That's that's the other weird thing that's going on. People are going on and on about Donald Trump like he is still president. And I don't and know it why. Is weird. And I don't know why people are thinking that because I don't like the I don't like the man. I don't like that he was president. And 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 I agree that people don't want him. To, people don't want him running in twenty twenty four because people don't want him in office at all. Like they don't want the mad at all. Well, they all. don't like, have to vote for him. That's that's just it. And all I'm this happy that all he, this I'm ke- happy kerfuffle. They, they don't have to vote for him. If they didn't vote for him last time, he didn't get in last time. I don't know what the issue is. He's not running for president this year, so it doesn't really matter at all. Yeah, this is the midterm elections. I don't even understand why it's an issue. Anybody else? Does anybody want to, you know, give me the gay man on that one? Am I having a mental health I, moment here? It's just, it's, <laughs> no, and, and, and I, it's I don't just, know. And, and in the election, I voted for, for Clinton, and people were saying, why did you vote for Clinton? You shouldn't vote for that. And I told those people that, you know, who I vote for, that's not none of your concern. You go vote for who you want to vote for. Yeah, vote you your conscience. Your, you keep that to yourself. I don't need to know what, who you voted for, who I voted for. None of that is not any of your business. Um, you know, I don't like. They told me why did you vote for Hillary Clinton, and I'm saying like, you know, target me forever. Target me however, ever you want to target me. But you know, if I want to vote for Clinton and I think she's a good candidate, I'll go and vote for her. You know, Shardell, it would be legal if you voted for a cheeseburger and wrote it in on the ticket. That's your democratic right. Honestly. I could literally vote. I could literally write myself in the ballot. That's I right. I did it one time. I did it one I time. could write my own name. <laughs> and vote, vote I honestly and, did that. I didn't like any of the candidates. I'm like, me. And, <laughs> and, and eventually people, I hope people, I get a lot of votes people see that name on the ballot and vote for me because they say like he put his name on the ballot we're gonna vote for him now because he put his name on the ballot that's what some candidates do they run a write-in campaign because the um the secretary of state kind of screwed him out of the process somehow because i know they, somebody... they, they got edged out somehow like... and so they run a uh, they run a write-in campaign like when I looked on the ballot, some people wrote uh, uh, like for the um, when you can write in write in ballot and write somebody's name. People wrote funny names like people wrote Jay Z. They wrote Mickey Mouse. That's what people they call a write in Con- candidate. It's a protest people vote. People wrote That's what they Con- call a protest vote. They wrote Kanye West. <laughs> Yee for Beyonce. president. <laughs> we got about a minute <laughs> before we got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeezy for president, you know. <laughs> any, any strange writing candidates that you would not ad hominem attack? Anyone? I Tom will. Cru- Tom, Tom Cruise for president. Tom Tom Cruise. That would be a wonderful like protest vote. How about you, Nate? Um, you know, really, I I can't think of anyone at the moment who. But really, it doesn't. I mean, that's the point, though, is that it, it shouldn't matter in terms of who you're voting for. Um, you know, it's. I think, like Shortle said, it's your business, and 
it's in some ways it's good to have somebody like Kanye to kind of make a mockery of it just if for no other reason than to know that it's it's that person's choice it's still at the end of the day it's your choice who you vote for right and you know, I, I loved it I loved Kanye West running for president I did too just I to get too. Karl Rove up there with his objection written on the whiteboard oh oh here's why that can't happen uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was hysterical he was just ticking it off like there's no way there's no way he he can't he can't get ballot access in these you know 700 counties there's not going to happen he <laughs> <laughs> was hysterical it's a meltdown yeah, yeah it's it so fine. great i just want to <laughs> say that um i love your i love your lighthearted humor you know bring more of it Okay, you know, great. Invite more people to the program. You know that you can do that by going to your man icon at the top. There's a there's a note icon and a man icon with a plus. If you go to the man icon with a plus and you like everything that you're hearing, you can invite people to the show. Did you know you could do that? Yeah. And then you can also go to the um, arrow, which is next to the man icon, and you can send an update or direct message certain people like maybe it's not for everybody on your list but you can you can uh, send a message like come to this room right now um, this is this is really for you and so if you have two or three friends that are really into what we're talking about then they and they could really jump in the discussion then that would be a really good one okay I'm, guys it's I'm, been an hour we gotta go <laughs> thank you I'm for joining the unsanctioned citizen I'm thinking about doing a- thanks for listening Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call-in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.